Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. I was back to Sarah's house and out of contact with New Vision. I was unhappy with myself and so exhausted physically and emotionally. This girl I meet at Mama's stall at the slave market tells me lots of stories which gives me a bird's eye view on how girls struggle after their visas expire. When you overstay your visa in the United Arab Emirates, you pay a fine for every day that passes and you cannot leave UAE without paying the total fine. Those who have no money are detained at the immigration center and given work and their wages revert to government for overstay. There is a grace period given for overstay. Once it expires, you are fined 125 dirhams, which is 125,000 shillings, for the first day and 25 dirhams, which is 25,000 shillings for each subsequent day. If you overstay for 6 months, you are fined 50 dirhams per day. After 1 year of overstaying, you are fined 100 dirhams, which is about 100,000 shillings per day. This girl tells me that every October the police in the UAE carry out soups to arrest foreigners who have overstayed their visas. They deport those who can pay and detain those who cannot to work for a wage. After you have earned enough for your tickets and fines, you're deported back to your country. Also, without a visa, it becomes difficult for your agent to sell you. At the slave market, Those who already have employment visas easily get sold off. Most of us go to Dubai with a visitor's visa of one month, expecting that our employers will help us get an employment visa. However, for an employer to help you upgrade your visa, you have to work well, consistently, and impress the boss so that they can become your guarantor. This has to be done in one month before your visitor's visa expires. For me, who is already changing jobs and delaying at the slave market, I'm in danger of straying into overstay, and it will be difficult to leave even when New Vision intervenes. One day at the slave market, a girl claiming to be from Nigeria throws off her long dress and starts jabbering in Luganda, cursing everybody in an aggressive tone. She attracts attention and some people have to restrain her. Her agent immediately calls the police and she's taken away. We however can tell she is acting because her nudity is protected by full body jumpers under her long dress. You don't dress like that unless you plan to throw off your dress. We later learn that she had spent 3 months without a job and wanted to return home to her 3 children in Uganda. I do not know what happened to her thereafter. Police vehicles marked Medina police post came and later an ambulance followed which took her away. We realized that can be a trick to enable one to escape from being herded as livestock. 3 days after Sarah handed me over to Mama's stall, she stormed into our room throwing tantrums and calling me damaged goods. She says Mama thinks I am not eager to be bought that I intentionally discourage clients. I tell her I have stomach pains and want my family to send me some local herbs. She demands to know what the ailment is and I say it's fibroids. I demand that if she cannot give me my phone, she takes me to the hospital. She shouts back saying she is not my mother 
and will not spend that amount of money on me. She says if I want to return to Uganda, I should pay her 4 million shillings so I can leave. I start sobbing and wailing as she insults me in Arabic and Amharic. She storms out of the room, but my struggle to return has begun. The next day, I plan to collapse and when police comes in, I demand for my phone. Then, I call New Vision so they can come and fetch me. But the following day, Sarah instructs me to stay home so I can rest. I wail and reject any food that is served to me. I know her people will tell her that I was crying the whole day. When my colleagues return, I tell them I am indeed sick. They laugh and insist that I am faking the illness. Two girls actually sit me down to admonish me, saying my drama was bound to cause everybody problems. Sarah calls me to her living room. I walk to her while holding my stomach, faking pain. She observes that I am pale, but warns me against taking her for granted. I nevertheless ask her for juice, and she looks at me as if I were mad. Then she advises me to go sell myself to buy juice. The next day, I again stay home. I plan the final thrust. By the time they arrive, they should find evidence that I was trying to hang myself. In panic, Sarah will release me or risk police intervention. If all fails, I plan to return to the slave market and raise a stampede by acting mad or by simply running away. I would almost certainly end up at the police where I would get in touch with the new vision so they can take me out of here. But that evening, when they return from the slave market, the girls are too tired to discover the evidence of my suicide. The lesso on the rafter doesn't make sense to them. Before I confess my earlier intention of ending my life, Sarah calls me again to her living room. I had bathed with cold water and was so pale. I stagger in holding my stomach, pretentiously. I think she too is quite concerned at this point. The plan is working. She asks if my people can send her four million shillings so she can let me go. She explained that it is unfair for me to continue eating her food, using her accommodation facilities, when I'm not making money for her. She says she is tired of me. I ask her for my phone to call for money in Uganda. That is how I finally succeed in calling New Vision. 